We're back. Sorry we missed you last week, but we've got an all-new episode of Inside Columbia Basketball for you today. For any first-time listeners, each week we sit down with different members of the men's and women's basketball programs, go through recent games, and take a look at what's coming up, go behind the scenes with the Lions. I'm your co-host, Mike Kowalski. This week we have Madison Hardy and Hannah Pratt from the women's basketball team, and along with C.J. Davis from the men's basketball team. Kyle Matrician will speak with Madison and Hannah a little bit later on, but joining me right now is C.J. Davis. So, first of all, thanks for coming on. Anytime. It's a pleasure. So, last weekend, uh, you guys, again, were knocking on the door a little bit in the games mm-hmm. against Yale and Brown. Uh, came out on the wrong side of things. Um, how tough has this stretch been for you guys, and how is the team trying to stay positive? Um, I think it's been, it's been tough on everybody. It's a little frustrating because the season's not going in the, on the course that we want it to be, but I think as a whole, I think there's been a lot of leadership from the senior class and also just everybody just coming together and just knowing that whatever we're doing, we just got to stick together and just be as positive as possible because we're still in it. We still have a lot of games to play. So I think this would just be a positive experience for everybody just going forth into the next season as well and just focusing on now and like the stuff that we have to do. Coach Engels actually mentioned you after the game by, by name and said, you know, talk about what a good mentor you've been to the younger guys and your attitude, staying positive and things like that. What does that mean coming from him? Uh, I think that's a, I think that's a great, uh, great thing to say because I think that's uh, the first thing, honestly, that I've been trying to do is just make sure that the younger, the, um, the younger players just know what they have to deal with on an everyday basis, uh, know what uh, comes with conference play because this is their first time coming and actually playing against uh, these teams and the amount of scouting they do, the they know everybody's tendency, so you have to be focused. What have you tried to do and tell these guys uh, to try to keep them uh, on the up and up and what they need to know to, to help the program grow moving forward? Uh, because I think I remember this one time I was talking to Ike because um, he was a little frustrated about like some of the stuff, but I was just telling him, like, yo, we just have to do – Honestly, like what the team needs is the team first. Like everybody has their individual uh, like accomplishments and goals that they want to acquire, but that will come along with the team as long as far as the team goes, how you go. So just indulging yourself in the team's victories and their success will also just accommodate your success. Looking a little bit ahead to this weekend, uh, I think. <clears throat> I, in my opinion, I think this is one of the most interesting road trips we have during Ivy League play. Mm-hmm. Um, the Pluster and Jadwin are, are so different. They're different venues than any other place in the Ivy League. So what is it like playing at those places? I mean, obviously the Pluster has got this mm-hmm. rich history. Do you feel that when you walk into the building? Yeah, you, you can feel it from the lights. The lights are blinding. The arena has so much history. The the seats, like just the atmosphere is just is actually insane to just be there and play. I, ended, I actually played there my, uh, when I did a prep year at Petty, so like I didn't know how like packed it could get and how like in, like intense the arena could get, but just playing there for the last four years has just been amazing. And talk a little bit about Jadwin too, because <coughs> there's a lot more space. You know, your depth perception is kind of thrown off. What's it like? Kind of, pl- I, it looks like almost like a space shuttle or something. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a little weird at first because you see nothing behind the backboards and everything, but. Honestly, I, I think that's my favorite uh, arena to play in. It's just the, the atmosphere is just totally different. It just looks like this dome that you're just in, like you're surrounded by like one side, the other side, and then everything is just empty. So it can, it can be a little confusing about like how much uh, 
the crowd can affect you because you're looking to your left and right and like, oh, it's packed, but then you're looking straight forward and it's just nothing. So it's like a, it's a different feel, but I like it. I like the rims and the court itself. Um, on the court, what's it going to take for you guys to kind of break through here and, uh, and, and come up with a couple wins? Uh, I think it's uh, we're doing all the right things, honestly. I think we're playing really well. I think a lot of teams are actually scared to play us just off the fact that we're always in every game. I think it's just the small stuff we have to focus on, the small things like just the small mental lapses we may be having at in games or even in, in the first half and just making sure that everybody's on the same like on the same page. And I think if that happens, then we should definitely get uh, a few wins. What have been some keys in practice this week for you guys, the adjustments you guys are making on yourselves, not even getting into scouting reports or anything? I think uh, we've all been challenging ourselves to honestly communicate, like just make sure that everybody is, again, on the same page, uh, just focusing in on like the small details, like just executing plays, uh, knowing coverages off ball screens and all that different stuff. And I think as much as it's not been like intense practices, I think it's been more of a mental challenge for everybody and everybody's trying to focus on that 100%. What was it like coming to Columbia, from being from Queens and everything? Uh, what was your, that process like for you uh, coming to Columbia? Uh, it, was a little, it was a little different, honestly. Uh, I think stepping on campus, you, I honestly never noticed that Columbia was in the middle of the city. And then the first time I came, it was just so quiet. Like everything was around you, was you couldn't hear it. You couldn't hear the, the taxis or the trains or anything. It was just so tranquil. And then you step outside and then it's just like a whole rush. And I think that was the biggest thing for me that made it exciting because I also had a campus feel as well as like something I was familiar with. And you know, you, you went from having a, a, a decent role off the bench mm -hmm. um, to battling through what you found out was a pretty major injury through mm -hmm. your sophomore year. So walk us through that, like what was going on in your sophomore year and what led you to kind of, you know, the diagnosis of, of your back injury? Oh, so um, it was it was really weird. I remember I remember really vividly. Um, I thought I had a pretty good freshman year coming into sophomore year. Uh, we were practicing. Everything was going pretty good. I had, like, minor injuries. Like, I had shin splints and stuff. But then we played uh, one game, I think it was around – I think it was the fourth, I mean, it may have been Hofstra. I remember playing defense on the, the point guard, and I, was play, I thought I was playing really good defense, and after a while I got really tired and my back started to hurt, like it was on the left side. And I gave it no attention because usually when you're tired, like that left side starts hurting a little bit or your back gets tightened up. So I was like, all right, like this, is, this isn't bad, but it didn't stop. And then we played the University of Maine, and I remember using a, like a heating pad on my back, and then just so forth, it just got worse and worse, and then, uh, I checked it out. It was like it was a stress reaction that I just needed to stretch and all this different stuff. So I was like, all right, that's, that's great. And then it, it got worse. And then it got really bad at like Dartmouth and Brown where I was just feeling like I ran up the court once or twice and it felt like I ran like two miles. And I remember my leg giving out one play and it was just like, all right, like I need to check this out. And then ended up getting an MRI, it showed up, and then I got a CT scan and it showed that both sides were like just split in the middle like there was some growth that I was trying to like connect it to but it was just broke how frustrating was it for that you know while you're trying to deal with that through the season and then how much was there a sense of relief when you found out what was actually wrong with you yes it was I think that was like one of the most frustrating seasons because I felt like I could contribute more but there was just something off and I honestly thought it was me I was like what am, what am I doing wrong am I I'm not like playing hard enough. Am I not doing this? So it was a mental, 
I think it was more of a mental battle for me, just thinking like I couldn't perform the way I wanted to. And I think just knowing what it was kind of gave me relief, like, all right, like, this was the problem, like, I can fix this, and it's good. Hopefully it get better in the long run. And what was the rehab process like for you? How intense was that? Oof, that was bad. Oh, man. Uh, the first few weeks, I uh, couldn't walk. I had to teach myself how to walk. So I was in this dorm because I couldn't go up the steps in my, um, in my brownstone. And so I had to walk around this one tree in front of Farnold. And it took me five to ten minutes just to walk around this one little tree garden. I had to do that three times a day. Uh, every two to three hours I had to take some type of medicine. So I never was on like a really good sleeping schedule. So I never really slept. I was just, it was, oh man. And then like every... I say like every like week or so, like I got a little better, but the pain was just constant. And so like, I remember the first time I walked to low steps, like that was like the biggest accomplishment ever. I almost started crying. Like, it was weird because when your body can't react to the stuff that you wanted to, it it's a totally different feeling. Like just not being able to walk as on a regular basis, like it wasn't even just about basketball, it was just like everyday life was just totally different. So I think that was a, definitely a growing experience for me. Was there a point where you, you weren't sure where you, if you were going to be able to make it back? So you, yes. like you said, you had to reteach yourself how to walk. I mean, that's, you know, how scary was that for you? Uh, I think that was the scariest thing of all time. Because, like, right out of the, even right out of the, um, like, uh, the surgery, like, I couldn't feel my legs. So just, just not being able to walk, there was definitely some skepticism about, like, me playing this year. And... Things definitely got better, and I thought that when it did get better in the summer, that there would be like, like things would actually get better for me. But there was also just small stuff that I had to remember. Uh, basketball doesn't mean like there's a lot of tension and stress that it puts on your body. So just uh, accommodating to that is uh, is really tough too. So I feel like even this season, like it was it was a struggle. But I'm getting, I think my teammates is giving me a lot of confidence that I can actually still play basketball. Who are some key people that, that played significant roles in you coming back and either whether it's from a doctor medical side or just like, you know, support side, like just emotional support. So, so talk about some of those people. Uh, I think, honestly, my dad is, is one of my biggest supporters. I think my family was uh, really big on it. But I remember what he said uh, right out of the, right out of surgery. He was like, this is all mental. And I was like, ah. I don't know if that's mental. I don't know if that's the truth, but uh, I kind of got what he was saying a few months later, like how this was going to be like a really big mental battle. I think on the court, uh, my teammates honestly helped me a lot. They got me through a lot, just on and off the court. Uh, I think just being able to see them play uh, and know what they're going through allowed me to put myself out there and try to give 100% every time I'm on practice, like or in games. Like, whatever I am able to do, I would try to do to my best abilities. So I think that the coaching staff, uh, family, friends has definitely been, like, really, like, really supportive. Were you able to put things in perspective almost after the injury? One, like, what I want to do, just like life. Uh, uh, also, like, my love for the game has changed so much, like, when you get something taken away for like that long and you don't know if you can get it back, just the fact that you're able to get it back makes you treasure it more. Uh, I think, again, my teammates played a huge role in that because at first I couldn't even watch them. It was just, 
it was the worst feeling ever. And I was more of like on a selfish level, like I want to play, like I want to be in the court with my friends, I want people to see me play. But then it, it went from a perspective of just like, all right, this is not about me, it's about the team. And I think, uh, honestly, Jess played a huge role in helping me understand that there's other stuff you could find outside of basketball, within the realm of basketball as well, that you can have love for. And I think throughout that helped me grow just off the fact that now it's honestly like this season was about my team. Like just seeing them being able to play, seeing us having success, having failures, just going through that with the team was always the perspective I had throughout the whole thing. So I think when I'm on the court, it's about the team. When I'm off the court, it's about the team. And I think the team perspective has made me love basketball more. And it also helped my individual level because now like I'm working harder than ever to just get back on the floor and play to my best ability. Well, I mean, it's, it's a great story. It's great having you back on, on the floor. And, you know, I, I know your teammates are big supporters, like you said. And, yeah. and, and I think everybody gets fired up when you do things in a game. So <laughs> it's good to have you back. Thank you. Um, so now, now we're going to go into a segment we call Rapid Fire. These are basic questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know why we call it Rapid Fire. I've told this joke the last three episodes. I'm just going to keep saying it because it's, it's more of a slow burn. Uh, gotcha. We'll get into it. But it's just some, some uh, quick personality questions. Right. So uh, first one is, if you could have dinner with any three people, who would they be? Oh, wow. Never thought about it. Putting you right on the spot. Uh, Kobe Bryant, for sure. Uh, that's my, my favorite player of all time. Uh, probably Will Smith, favorite actor of all time. <laughs> um, what else? And maybe, I'm not going to lie, Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart. Yeah, it'd be very interesting. Uh, all different realms. You have to have some funny, some serious, and then just Will could do anything. So yeah. Conversation would flow. Yes, <laughs> definitely would. Definitely will. <laughs> definitely will. Uh, what's your favorite vacation you've been on? Um, favorite vacation? I went on a cruise when I was like 14 with my, my family. We ended up going to the Bahamas. That was actually really insane. Nice. It was really dope. Uh, switching gears, uh, what's been your favorite class at Columbia? Uh, favorite class? Um, honestly, I think it's the class I'm in now. It's a seminar. And it's, it just talks about like uh, consciousness and attention. How like there's a whole realm within our brain that we don't understand. And then there's also a science behind it we don't understand. And it's not a definitive definition. So we go through like all these different articles to define like what consciousness is. And it honestly just makes it more confusing because nobody have a definitive like <laughs> definitive like uh, definition of it. And so like you can there's always like a I'm guessing like a like a, a background or like a ground basis to like where you can start off at, but there's never like any definitive of like what it is. So you can go anywhere with it. Like there's a lot of, it's a lot of things with it that and so like I think I I think I got a little grasp on it, yeah. so I have my few. I have a few so views. So it sounds on it. like it's a psychology class. Yeah, definitely psych. Yeah. Definitely psych. That's your major. Yes, yeah, um, I'm doing a psychology major, and then I'm also doing a concentration in business. Okay, so what do you think you you want to do after graduation? Uh, after graduation, uh, I, I honestly want to go to grad school, do a fifth year, because I think that would help out a lot. I think this season helped me realize that I can still play basketball. A lot of it would just have to be pushing through that each barrier that I have, and I think that's possible. 
my teammates showed that it was possible, my coaching staff showed it was possible, family showed that it was possible. But I also want to do that just to get into a grad program. Hopefully, if basketball works out for me, then play ball. If it doesn't, then hopefully just start working, firm, something business finance. And last question, this is what we ask pretty much everybody. What are you binge watching right now? Binge watching. Oh, man. I know that's stuff to do with basketball. And, and oh, sport, no. Like, I, I know you guys find time. I have a fire stick, so it's it's, <laughs> it's actually kind of easy. Uh, I've been binge watching Game of Thrones. Um, don't judge me for this. 90210, it's definitely... <laughs> It's a throwback. Throwback, definitely a throwback. They have a new one too with uh, high school, and it's just like, I, I honestly know why people be watching Gossip Girl and <laughs> like One Tree Hill. Like, these shows are actually pretty crazy. Um, so I watched that, uh, Supernatural. Uh, I'm trying to think of a big one. There's really a big one right now. So I'm not a big Game of Thrones fan, but Maka had a theory who was going to come out on top at the end of Game of Thrones. So what's your, what's your theory Ooh. who's going to, I don't know, be the king of whatever land it is, or you know, who's gonna take over at the end? Who's gonna take over? I think, honestly, I'm I'm, I'm going with Jon Snow. Jon Snow. Okay. Off the fact that I, I don't want to give any uh, no spoilers. No spoilers, but uh, we found out some big things at the end of season seven. So All I right. think uh, we're gonna compare notes at the end of the series. Yeah, he was right. Uh, so I think he's gonna come out on top. And there's going to be a lot of speculation between the two, uh, uh, Daenerys and um, uh, what's the other one? I forgot her name, Cersei. So they're the queens of whatever they want to be right now, but I think Jon Snow is going to be I'm pretty sure on the Iron Throne. John, John, uh, Maka said Jon Snow too, so yeah. you guys are on the same page. Yeah, we're definitely on the same page. He's <laughs> definitely going to be the guy. Uh, that's all the time we have right now. CJ, thanks again for, for taking the time. Uh, Anytime. Good luck this weekend. Uh, we'll, we'll be watching. We'll be back next week. Uh, now we're going to throw it to Kyle, who's sitting down with Madison and Hannah. Take it away, Kyle. All right, thanks, Mike, and thank you to CJ for taking the time to join us for part one. Here with me from the women's side for part two of this week's episode is Madison Hardy and Hannah Pratt. Madison, welcome back to the podcast. Hannah, welcome to the podcast for the first time. Thanks for having us, Kyle. First thing I want to get into is with you, Hardy is the very last game that the team played against Brown. You hit two big shots in the final minute of the game. You hit a three-pointer with 55 seconds left to put the Lions up by two, and then you hit a three-pointer with 15 seconds left to break a tie game, which was the eventual game winner, went on to win the game by two. I mean, what was that like for you? I mean, I don't want to say do you dream of those moments as a kid, but, you know, to step through as a freshman and hit those shots for your team. Um, it was really special, you know, uh, we worked really hard up to this point in the season and everything, and it just really felt good to convert for my team and give us what we needed um, at that point in time. And, of course, um, we're all freshmen, and it's been um, different for all of us having to step up on such a big stage and stuff, but I, my teammates just had my back, and I'm glad I got to pull through for them. So I'm going to run through the end of that game a little bit. Uh, you hit the first three to put the team up two, and then Brown – got fouled underneath they hit two free throws to tie the game up called timeout what what I mean I don't, I don't want you to give me the de I guess the details of the play but was the play that was drawn up designed for you to hit a three or was it just designed for, to get the best open look um normally anytime coach G draws something up there's uh, multiple options because all of us uh like I said before are pretty 
pretty viable threats, um, but I think that one happened to be, like I said, for either whoever was open, and um, it just happened to be me, so I knew that I just had to get it done for coach and for our team. And then right at the end of that game, Brown inbounded the ball. Uh, after a couple free throws both ways, Brown inbounds, and they had a chance to tie the game, and the, <laughs> the second shot they put up rolls around the rim and falls off. I mean, what's going through your head as Brown's coming down the floor, oh, thinking man. you may, might be going to overtime? Um, <laughs> it was definitely very uh, nerve-wracking, but, I mean, the ball rolled our way for a reason, and I think we really fought hard that game, and the ending – Maybe it wasn't pretty, but we got it to roll our way. I'm really happy about that. All right, and it was the second game of a back-to-back -back weekend. First Friday night game. Didn't end the way we wanted. 69-61 loss at Yale. But the team right now 3-5 and five in the Ivy League, so already more wins than the team had last year through the entire Ivy League season. So I definitely say an improvement to this point. And now I want to jump into our second guest on the podcast, Hannah Pratt. Uh, first time on the podcast. For anybody who doesn't know, you, you're, you mean you're part of this freshman class. You've unfortunately got injured in the preseason, so you've had to sit out. But, I mean, what's it been like for you to see y your teammates succeed on the floor and start to make an impact in just their first year? Um, honestly, I couldn't be happier. Um, uh, all of us freshmen live together, and every single one of them, all six of us are best friends. Um, so I'm their biggest fan and love to see them go out there and do what they do, uh, especially Madison Hardy hitting clutch shots <laughs> and we'll see that every getting game. Uh, rookie of the week. So it's just amazing to see, especially as freshmen. And you bring up the rookie of the week selection, Sienna Durr, with five this year. Uh, the class as a whole, your, this, this freshman class has seven. Sienna with five, Michaela with one, Lil with one, Hardy. I know you're next. It's coming up. We got three week, weeks stay left. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> Madison Hardy trying to get her first, make it eight. But it ties a program record uh, for seven rookie of the weeks, which was set in 2014-15. So I, we can definitely see th that this class is going places. Hannah, why don't you talk about, you know, for people that don't know you, you know, you haven't been playing all year. Obviously, we talked about with the injury, but you know, you know what's your game? What what do you excel at? What do you want to try and provide for the team next year when you're healthy? Um, definitely, I would say rebounding's my number one thing. Um, that's what I like to do. I'm not really a big point scorer, so I'll try to increase that um, when I come back. But rebounding's definitely my best attribute. Is that something you've seen in, in watching the team all year? Something you, you, you know you're sitting on the bench, and I don't want to say it's frustrating, but you're sitting on the bench and you're <laughs> saying, "Man, I wish I could be out there to help them rebound." And literally every single game, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I do feel like I'd be able to help, but so far they've been doing a pretty good job, um, especially when we're playing bigger teams. So, but yeah, I do want to be out there so bad. What do you do on a on a day to day basis when you're dealing with an injury and you know the teams at practice? I and mean, what do you do to condition to work out to kind of make sure that you're still in shape? Um, well, I go in early to practice, like an hour, thirty minutes early before and I do rehab. I lift with the team and I run on certain days that we have enough time. Um, so I'm staying in shape in those ways. If I could interject, Ooh. Hannah is literally probably works just as hard or as hard as like, or harder than anyone on like the active playing roster. Like she's here before practice, after practice, every day with Tam. 
um, our trainer, getting her back to where she wants to be. She's on her rehab every single day, and, like, she's running sprints with us now. She's rebounding for people when she can, and I personally am very excited to have her back because I know she will bring, like, intensity, energy, and leadership qualities all across the board, and I'm very excited for Hannah's return. Well said, Hardy. Hannah, always She's humble. Too modest. <laughs> too modest, Hannah. Always humble over there, but humble is good. <laughs> All right, and then now if we, we've talked about the Yale Brown weekend. We've taken a week off from the podcast, so I do want to go back a week before and talk about Harvard and Dartmouth. Hardy, I'll start with you a little bit. I mean, the first game of that weekend, uh, Friday night home game against Harvard, I would say probably the best first quarter that Columbia has seen in a very long time. Uh, Harvard scored the first basket of the game 12 seconds in, and then 22 unanswered points to close out the quarter, a 22-2 first quarter on the way to a victory, a 75-65 victory over Harvard. I mean, have you been a part of anything like that, a first quarter like that? Oh, absolutely not. Our starters did an amazing job with our pressure and um, just knocking Harvard like off of what they want to do and what was comfortable for them. And I thought they did an amazing job. And then the subs who came in helped keep up that intensity throughout the entire quarter. And I thought uh, I was really proud of us for, for that quarter. How does a win like that against Harvard? I mean, it's just the program's fourth win over Harvard <coughs> since the program went Division One in, in the mid-'80s. How does a win like that build confidence for the team? Um, it builds a lot of confidence. Um, I think it was ex extremely important for us to convert that because I know as well as all of my teammates know that we are really big contenders in this league. And although people may say that we're young or inexperienced, uh, we personally don't think it matters because just as like we showed against Harvard, like we can really stay with anyone in this league. And then Hannah, when you're sitting on the bench watching <laughs> this happen, a 22-2 first quarter, I mean, what do you do? I mean, I, this is kind of an every game thing, but what do you do to try and, like, keep your teammates focused and keep them intense and in the game? Um, honestly, there's not much I can do but cheer. Um, but just keeping them hype because you gotta you got to stay focused and um, energized to keep that lead and not get too cocky. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I asked Hardy this question, but I mean, have you been a part of anything like that in your basketball career where you've jumped out to such a large lead right at the beginning of the game against like against a good team? Um I don't I don't remember ever being that far ahead of maybe even any team. 22 to 2 is crazy phenomenal and especially against Harvard where the seniors on the team have told us they've never beat Harvard in their career here. So it was just phenomenal to see. Yeah, the last one against Harvard came the year before the seniors on the team were freshmen. It was in 2015. Um, and like I said, just the fourth win over Harvard in the program's Division One history. And then the second game of that weekend against Dartmouth, I mean, had another very good start. It seems to be a recent trend lately where the team jumps out to big leads right at the beginning of the game, which is a good which is a good contrast to what happened at the beginning of the year because at the beginning of the year it seemed like the team would fall behind and start playing from behind and have to fight back the whole way, maybe spend more energy to try and get back in the game. But now playing from ahead, Hardy, I mean, has that been a f an, an emphasis over the last few weeks to jump out to that early lead so you're not playing from behind the whole time? Uh, definitely, I would say so because uh, we like to start out with a lot of intensity. Uh, our coaching staff does an amazing job preparing us and getting us 
ready and excited to before we even tip off. So I think that energy just translates into the game, and we definitely just have to keep that same intensity throughout the entire game. And then this that that game against Dartmouth, I mean, jumped out to a good lead, a good a good game, back and forth game. Unfortunately, right at the end of the game, Dartmouth gets a foul call with four seconds left. They hit two free throws and win by a point. But I would, I mean, the team's been in every single game this year, and speaking of tough opponents and good games this upcoming weekend against uh, Penn and Princeton. Penn Friday night at 5.30, Princeton Saturday night at 5.30. I mean, are, are you looking forward to those two games? Um, I know I, as well as my whole team, is extremely excited. We definitely um, are happy that we get another chance to play uh, at their place, which would be a new environment. But I know we're all disciplined and locked into our game plan and what we're going to try and, and accomplish. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah, I I personally think that we are super capable of beating either of these teams. Beginning of fourth quarter, Penn, we were actually beating them. We only ended up losing, I think it was by four, right? Well, final score was 12, but it was a four-point game with two minutes left. They hit a bunch of free throws right at the end of the game. Yeah, but, so I mean, the feel of the game was that it was an extremely yeah, close game. The final score was not indicative of how close that game was the yeah, entire time. Up until the end, we were not down by that much. Obviously, we had the foul at the end, but how close every game has been just shows our abilities of beating these teams and our win over Harvard also, which Harvard also beat Penn. So, you know, we're looking to get a W this weekend. Exactly. A lot of parity, it seems like, this year in the Ivy League. Really, anybody can beat anybody on any given weekend. I mean, we saw you saw Cornell beat Yale last weekend, you know. Exactly. I mean, and then Saturday night against Princeton, I mean, the last time we played Princeton, I mean, they have this player, Bella Allery. She scored 45 <laughs> points. I mean, it just caused problems all game. But, again, it was another very close game. Really, I mean, obviously, you take away that performance, it's a much different game. But what's what's got to go differently in your mind to make, to stop her and stop Princeton? Um, I think our coaching staff has done an amazing job um, <clears throat> in practice this week, switching up coverages and switching up how we're going to attack this team differently than other teams in our league. And I think as long as we follow that game plan and uh, we communicate on defense, we'll um, have a different outcome. The key is Bella Allery. <laughs> you know, if we can keep her at least under 20 points, we can easily win this game because one-on-one matching up with everybody else except her, we are for sure better than them. Um, so our number one key is stopping Bella Allery. I like the confidence. <laughs> I like it. Mm-hmm. And then I want to get into this personality section that we like to do. It uh, kind of lets our listeners know a little bit more about you outside of basketball. Hardy, you did this on the last podcast, so I might direct more of these questions at Hannah. Uh, but Hannah, uh, first first one's an easy one. I mean, what do you do for fun outside of basketball? Uh, maybe outside of basketball season when you're you know when you don't have all this going on at once. Um, well, I'm from Florida, so I love uh, water sports like tubing or scurfing, uh, wakeboarding, stuff like that. That's definitely probably my favorite hobby outside of basketball. How long have you been doing that since you were a kid? Um, nah, just recently, probably high school. Um, got a boat uh, my freshman year, so me and my brother would go out and do fun stuff like that. Um, I just enjoy all types of sporty things, especially in the summer in the water. Because it's way too hot in Florida. I was going to say, growing up in Florida, dealing with the summers down there and the humidity, and then the change. I mean, have you spent a lengthy period of time up in New York or in the Northeast, or is this kind? Of, is this your first 
Is it your first time doing that? Um, well, I have family who live in Long Island and also upstate New York. Um, so I've definitely been in the cold, but not for a lengthy period. Um, How was your first winter this actually, year? It, the winter hasn't been so bad not, this Not year. so much snow. I think it's snowing right now, but <laughs> <laughs> um, it hasn't. it's been pretty mild, which I'm very grateful for because I don't know if I'd be able to handle it. <laughs> got lucky your first year yes i did it's not ithaca when we went up to ithaca there was about a foot and a half of snow but i didn't make it down here (laughs) thank god um second question i want to ask you since i have the two of you together is hannah i want you to give me one word to describe madison hardy and why one word um i probably have to say gentle why is that (laughs) (laughs) She's just, she's just so like sweet and gentle and always loving up on everybody, always taking care of us. Um, so she yeah. hides it. She hides it. She doesn't want you to know. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't want you to you know. You just outed her. <coughs> That's what she is. All Very right, gentle. Hardy. One word to describe Hannah. Um, my buddy Hannah. Um, Hannah has a, a lot of different sides, but I think the one that shines the most is definitely fun. Uh, every night in the suite, Hannah's either laughing, joking, making jokes, playing around, um, and definitely keeps a light heart all the time, doesn't let uh, things get to her, and I think that really rubs off on a lot of us, so fun. Fun. Well, <laughs> yeah. you feel like that, I mean, go, I guess going back to a basketball perspective, I mean, having somebody like that in your group, I feel like you need that to oh, kind of sure. keep things lighthearted and, you know, when things get too serious, try and break the tension. Yeah, that's, that's Hannah, big prat. All right, Hannah, back to you. Um, do you know, I mean, you're only a first year at Columbia, so you have a long time to think about what your major is. You're not allowed to declare a major, but do you have anything in mind yet? Or if not, what's your favorite class so far at Columbia and why? Um, I am not quite sure yet. I'm thinking possibly psychology because I like the science of psych class that I'm in right now. Um, but I really have no idea at this point. Hardy, uh, what about you? Do you have any classes so far that you like? Um, Hannah and I are actually in the same class as actually Sienna and Michaela too, which is science and psych, and I really like that class. Um, but another class um, is one of our chords, actually, music home. I'm starting to find more interesting, and I think it's just great that Columbia um, has the core for us to learn a whole bunch of different things um, that we wouldn't normally take, and I think I'm really starting to appreciate music more. Hannah, back to you. What are you binge-watching right now, either on Netflix or Hulu or Amazon? Um, well, I was binge watching Brooklyn Nine Nine, uh, probably my favorite show, but I'm kind of caught up, so can't really consider it binge watching every more. Sorry, you were binge watching Brooklyn yeah, Nine Nine. Good so show. I just watch it like every week now. Just switch networks, so I believe now it's has it always been? It's on Hulu. Yeah, it's on Hulu. It's on Hulu yeah. now. Thank what's God. What's your uh? <laughs> what's uh? Who's your favorite character on Brooklyn Nine Nine? Um, definitely Jake. Why? He's hilarious. Oh my gosh. He. <laughs> The funniest dude. Um, Andy Sandberg, I think his name is. Great, great actor. Um, comedies are my favorite uh, shows and movies to watch, so I just enjoy it. And I like the cop aspect as well. What's your favorite uh, comic movie? <laughs> my <laughs> my favorite movie is uh, White Chicks. White Chicks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, everybody makes fun of me for that, but... I can't lie. It's my favorite movie. I'm just going to leave that there. <laughs> <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> 
All right, last thing before I let you go, last personality question. When it's when you're on the road and it's snack time, what's the go-to snack? Granola cups. <laughs> <laughs> That's granola your choice. Or those um it's like fruit leather, the twisted fruit leather. Oh, those aren't bad. Those are but good. But definitely don't tell coach G, but <laughs> Mott's. Oh, the gummies. Oh, my favorite by far. Mott's for snacks. Yep. Oh. Over the Welch's. Mott's Mott's over the Welch's or Mott's over Welch's any day. I feel like I would go Welch. Really? I think so. No. Mott's over Welch's. Depends on the de- I mean, depends on the flavor. Depends on what package you yeah. get from the, from the Throw Welch's. the grapes away. Throw the grapes. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks for taking the time to join me today. I really appreciate it. Good luck this weekend at Penn Friday night at 530, followed by Saturday night's game at Princeton. And then the following weekend is senior weekend for Abby Lee and the senior class. Uh, Skelly. Senior weekend will be against Brown and Yale with senior day celebrated Saturday against Yale. So good luck this weekend. and Thanks for coming in. Thanks, Thanks, Kyle. Tickets can be purchased for next weekend's final two home women's games and all men's and women's basketball contests by visiting www.gocolumbialions.com slash tickets or by calling 888-LIONS-11. The women's game this Friday at 5.30 against Penn can be seen live on ESPN+, and Saturday's game at 5.30 against Princeton will be on ESPN3. Both men's contests will follow immediately after, and both are available on ESPN+. If you haven't already signed up for ESPN+, Plus, visit www.espnplus.com. Subscriptions start as low as $4.99 a month or $49.99 annually. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week.